just on our way. I'm Dan. And I'm Preeti. And we are traveling across Canada and the U.S. full-time with our one-year-old and our dog. And we've just left Riding Mountain National Park and are on our way to Saskatoon. We entered Saskatchewan last night and we stayed at our second ever Harvest Host. This time it was on a farm where we even got to meet the farmers and it was pretty amazing. It couldn't have been a more perfect, like it just felt like we entered Saskatchewan and then it was like the most quintessential farm experience. Yeah, absolutely. Meeting the farmers, sleeping under the stars. It was just fantastic. Oh, and yesterday was my first time driving. I finally drove the whole rig. That's right. It's been... Uh, how, I don't know how many kilometers we've driven. you've driven. <laughs> boy, oh boy. It was nice being a passenger and looking out the window for a change. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I think partly why we get along so well is I love being the passenger. Like, and I do enjoy driving. I know, you That's do. Fair. So it actually works out so well. Yeah, after a week of being in one place, I'm ready to hit the road again and get behind the wheel. And, I know, and I'm like a really good passenger. I make sure you have water, I open your coffee, <laughs> like I offer you snacks, I'm always looking ahead on the map. Yeah, yeah, you pay attention as a passenger. I know. I'm usually just daydreaming out the window <laughs> when I'm a passenger. <laughs> I know, but you know what, I'm really, like, I was waiting for the right opportunity to to drive. <laughs> The right opportunity being, I just wanted flat roads and no turns. Yeah, that's fair. When you're driving a heavy-duty truck and you're towing a 28-foot trailer for the first time. Yeah. And the prairies are basically flat roads and no turns. I mean, that's largely what we'd been experiencing entering into Saskatchewan, so we had no reason to expect that would change. <laughs> so we're driving, or I'm driving, and, you know... We have CarPlay up, we can see our Google map on the display, and Google's like, turn left, and we're like, that makes no sense. Because it's basically asking us to turn left into this, this residential street, and you can see on the map, we're on Highway 1, there's, you can clearly see if you go a few more streets ahead that you just take the main turn and you stay on the highway. Yeah, there seemed no reason to follow Google Maps and make this turn whatsoever. Yeah. It seemed like a bad idea. So of course we didn't do it. Oh yeah, we're smarter than that. <laughs> That's where Google gets you every time. So we turn where we think we should turn, drive in, like we're like, yeah, this is a great idea. And then the road just ends. Yep. One of those big orange signs. Dead end. <laughs> and I started laughing because here's, Preethi's got the confidence to get behind the wheel of the whole rig for the first time on a drive day. And sure enough, it's the first time that we end up right at a dead end. I know. Then we start looking around. We gather ourselves, and thankfully, we see the word detour off to the left. I've <laughs> never been happier to see. Like, I think my biggest fear was that we'd ha I'd have to U-turn. Like, oh, yeah. that's what I thought. I didn't see the detour sign at first, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I was thinking this is a great day to be a passenger. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a little road. It was garbage day. <laughs> there was just, like, garbage cans everywhere. Yeah, we were, well, Preeti was weaving down this residential road. There was no avoiding it around you know the recycling bins and the garbage cans and uh, <laughs> but we did it yeah I we, did it. <laughs> we yeah you did it you did it we made it through and we eventually got back onto a highway once again yeah and now i mean it was good because i think if it wasn't there i would have just avoided driving in any type of town 
Yeah, definitely took the training wheels off on the first go. That's for sure. <laughs> but we made it, and I'm going to drive again later today, so I think we're we're doing well. So let's catch you up on Riding Mountain National Park. And then in this week's episode, we'll also dive in to share a little bit more about what is it like traveling this much with a 12-month-old. Did you know I put Riding Mountain National Park into Google? And like the first thing that comes up, you know where it's like, what other people are searching. Right, it makes suggestions based on yeah. searches. Yeah, and the first one is Riding Mountain National Park worth visiting. Aww, I feel like Google has it out Mountain. for our Canadian. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It does seem like it. I guess. I guess we'll know at the end of this episode. <laughs> Who's typing these searches? <laughs> Gosh. So, in our last episode, we ended off. Um, arriving at the East Gate. And so we arrived at the East Gate of Riding Mountain and it's beautiful. Yeah, this was the gate that I was convinced that we have to go through this gate. You were so and convinced. even more so when I saw the spectacle of this, this beautiful wooden gate, I was like, this is the way to enter the park. <laughs> we have made a good choice. And, you know, a few locals in Winnipeg had told us that this was the way to enter Riding Mountain National Park. And for the record, I didn't want to enter this way, but not for the reason that it ended up being. It was more just because it added on, I think, an extra 30 minutes into our drive day. Yeah, but like, what's another 30 minutes for a, a great adventure? <laughs> I thought we were going to do this the right way. Um, and when, when we got this tip that we should enter in through the East Gate, I wanted to be smart about it, so I asked some questions. You know, is it is it going to be suitable for a truck, we're towing a trailer, how difficult are, is this mountain pass going to be, how difficult are the switchbacks. There was one thing I didn't ask about though, and that was the road condition itself. And yeah, the road is all gravel, and several sections of it are like washboard gravel, like as you're like bouncing over all this gravel. And it didn't take us long to realize that, um, yeah, maybe maybe we shouldn't be doing this right now. And you know where you can't U-turn? When you're on a tiny gravel road. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you're committed, you're yeah. going down 45 minutes into, into town on this gravel road. And it's a whole different experience when you end up accidentally on a washboard gravel road and you're basically just hoping that like a rock doesn't pop up and like chip your paint or something. It's a whole different like mental journey that you're going on when you know that your entire home is rattling behind you for 45 minutes. I know you see it in the side mirror and you're just imagining, you're just imagining everything falling apart. Oh yeah. Like, and then when you do eventually open the door, you're just terrified of what you're going to discover. I know. And like, go back inside. <laughs> and we stopped five minutes into the gravel drive. We stopped because I was like, you know, we secure everything, but I put our induction stove on our propane stove countertop and I put one of those pads that stops it from moving but I was like this is no match for <laughs> this Definitely gravel road not. so we I did go inside and you know five minutes and things seemed okay yeah I think it was smart of us to just like go in and try and secure everything yeah and the time goes by so slowly you're looking at that GPS on Google Maps and you're like why are we not hitting the end of this road <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was a long it was a long way in it was pretty but we didn't know what price our, our poor trailer was going to have to pay for that beautiful drive. <laughs> and so eventually we settle, uh, we get there, we open the trailer door. And the first thing that we notice 
is there's like sawdust all over the floor. Yeah. And I think I would have preferred to see something broken. I know, because there's no place where this dust can come from <laughs> that that's, I can see. That's what starts messing with your head. I know. It was weird. And it's it was like, like everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So what actually happened in here? If nothing is visibly broken, where did all of this dust come from? And I still don't know the answer to that. I just can't believe everything was intact. Me neither. Little trusty trailer we got here. Good job, Lance. <laughs> you did it. I think the funniest is like when we started to tell people how we came in. Yeah, we... I t when I told people, I with great pride, I told some <laughs> of the local people that, oh, we came in through the east gate. Like we knew something. Like as if, as if, yeah, we 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 knew the inside track here, um, and we were we were towing this twenty-eight foot travel trailer, and they were like, I'm sorry, what? They're like, oh, you definitely look like some tourists <laughs> if you were towing a trailer through the East Gate. And I was like, oh, okay, we maybe didn't we maybe didn't look as cool as we thought we did. But we made it. We made it to Wasegaming. We made it into our campground. It was a really nice campground. I like our sites were really spacious. There was um, bear warnings when we got there about you know being bear aware and bear safe. And so there'd been some bear sightings recently. Yeah. And so I think I was a little nervous because our campsite was right next to a garbage, like a big dumpster. And that's where bears often go to, you know, get some food. Yeah. And we were thinking about how much, you know, how that much design they must put into how to create these like bear protected garbage cans. And Preeti had seen something on Instagram about this. It was like, there's, there's a significant overlap between the smartest bears and the dumbest tourists when they're designing the garbage cans. <laughs> when I was there, okay, and they were outside and this, this man comes over with this garbage and he's trying to open the garbage can and it's welded on one side shut. And I was like, it's the other side. <laughs> and he was like, oh, he's like, I guess trying to open a welded door doesn't really work. So there's probably some truth to that. Yeah, every time that I went over to, the, to one of those garbages, I was just thinking to myself, I wonder if the smartest bear could figure this out also. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. We didn't get to we didn't get to get that answer for ourselves, though. No bear sightings for no us. No bear sightings. Nope. And one of the unique things about Wasegaming Campground is that it's right next to the town of Wasegaming, which is inside the national park. And this is pretty rare. There's only like five national parks that have towns inside them, so you have access to some great local shops. But there's a lot to kind of understand about the language of this region when you arrive. Um, people refer to it as Wasagaming, as Clear Lake Country, as Riding Mountain National Park. But if you say Riding Mountain, we realize that everybody actually thinks you're talking about the town called Riding Mountain that's one hour east of the national park. I do not know why they would decide to do that, but just be aware that when you go there, there's a lot of different words you may have to know to explain where you are and where you're going. And the park itself is really kind of treated like it's the cottage country for uh, folks in Winnipeg. And so as a result, I think it's a national park that's often passed over maybe by a lot of Canadians or folks just aren't, aren't aware of it. Um, but it's a beautiful place to, to stay um, if it's something that you can reach along your route. And I think we were there for, we were there for three days. So we didn't have a lot of time to explore. 
But as Dan said, it was really neat to just be right next to the town. But then, you know, we got to drive 45 minutes away and there's a bison enclosure. So that was definitely one of the highlights that we wanted to make sure that we were able to check out. And so in this bison enclosure, they reintroduced about 40 bison into the area and they control the population to make sure that the land can sustain the bison. And so, you know, we searched what time is the best time to go. And I think we read that kind of in the morning or early evening, the bison are most active. So that's when we wanted to check it out. So I went on Google Maps and I was making sure we had the right directions. I'm looking at this enclosure and I'm like, how do they keep the bison inside? What stops the bison from just leaving? So I thought I'd ask the Parks Canada person, because I was wondering like, you know, is there a gate? And after my experience at the zoo, I just, I wanted to know the directions to get to the bison. <laughs> so she was like, yeah, there's Texas gates. And I, I mean, I don't know what Texas Like they're gate. from Texas? Like I, they get them from Texas maybe? Yeah, like, uh, I, what I really wanted to know was, like, no one do did... I have to get out of the truck to open something? Is like, there a passcode? Is there a key I need? I know. And I just, she just said it with such confidence and was like, the bison can't get out of the gate. Like, the answer should be obvious. Like, you should obviously know what she's or talking about. Yeah. yeah. So I just smiled and nodded. <laughs> but it was cool. Texas gates are apparently just rungs on the ground that the animals don't walk over, which seems like an effective way to keep the bison inside the enclosure. Yeah, I guess this is not something new, new to city slickers like us, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but we saw bison, you know, we weren't sure we were driving for a while. It's like a big loop road. And every time we turned a corner, we were like, are they there? Are they there? Turns out when you see the bison, you really can't miss them. Yeah. Especially when in our case, the entire herd was just hanging out together, yeah. not too far from the road. And so it was really fortunate to see all the bison together playing and like some of the babies were rolling around in the dirt and <laughs> having a lot of fun one of the other things we try to do in in a new town is uh see if there's a local farmer's market it's a great way to meet some of the local folks um get to know the area and the community and so there was a farmer's market happening uh, in wasagaming when we were there i think it's the day we arrived yeah yeah we were lucky about that so it was a pretty lively farmer's market um it was packed a lot of people there very passionate about what they do, what they grow. Yeah. And I like to see that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, farmers markets are also one of those areas where I know everybody's self-conscious because the more time you spend talking to somebody, the more you feel like you have to buy something. I know. I, I suffer from that. I, I really do. Like, I just, it's like, don't make eye contact. <laughs> so you don't talk to anybody except the people that are selling the chocolate chip cookies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're chocolate chip cookies, I'll talk to them. But I, I feel differently. I feel like they want to... I feel like maybe they're bored and they want people to talk to. And so they know, like sharing there, their story. They're there all day and like for multiple days sometimes. Well, I like hearing their story. I know, but you're probably right. Like it's something I definitely should do more of. <laughs> oh, and by the way, if you do end up visiting Rowdy Mountain National Park... You have to consider staying at this place called Turtle Village. It's actually inside Wasagaming Campground. And it is the most amazing mini luxury off-grid cabins. They're all sustainably built. They use the highest quality materials. And they're just super well engineered with like, you know, renewable systems, solar panels, and all that stuff. They're absolutely awesome. We got a chance to meet the owners. And Turtle Village is actually the first of its kind indigenous-owned and operated tourist destination within Treaty 2 territory. They are also open year-round, 
And so it's something that I would really encourage people to, to check out. So that basically sums up our time in Riding Mountain National Park. It was a short but busy three days and we were actually supposed to stay a fourth day. We were planning on doing the drive from Riding Mountain to Saskatoon, which would have been, I think, just under six hours in one day. But we've learned in the last few weeks traveling that driving three and a half to four hours a day maximum is what's best for our family, especially traveling with the baby. And so, yeah, let's get into kind of how do we keep our baby on schedule on a drive day? Well, I mean, that is the name of the game. Um, the key to happy travels is keeping the baby on their schedule. <laughs> yes. And so before we, you know, Dan and I are planning this lifestyle, we talked about we don't want Caden in the car for really long periods of time. So we kind of agreed that the longest Caden would ever be in the car seat in one go is two hours. And that's kind of worked out pretty well for us. Um, let's just do like a general overview, a typical drive day for us. So we get up in the morning around 6.20, whenever Caden gets up, and we do our morning routines. We do breakfast, we tidy everything up, um, we make sure we prep anything that we need for lunch, and then we do the full teardown. Dan tears down outside, Caden and I work on the inside, and we head out before his morning nap at 9.30. That means that we can get in a little bit of driving during that first nap, and before we actually depart, we make sure that we have a thermos full of hot water so that we can warm up his milk on his first milk break later that morning. Yeah, so then after he wakes up from his nap, we do a short stop for milk and then we continue our drive. And then that part of the drive is always the most interesting one because Caden is awake. And so there's a lot of music happening. <laughs> It's always important to save some music offline, yes. just in case. Just in case. Wheels on the bus. Sharon Lowe's and Bram. Raffi. Basically on repeat. Coco Melon. I know. Oh my gosh, there's just so many things that I hear in my head now. <laughs> and there's some really weird, like there are some weird kid songs in there too. Absolutely. That get into some very serious themes sometimes. Yeah, I didn't realize Sharon Lowe and Bram were so political. <laughs> There's something for everybody in there. So, yeah, so we do another drive segment there. Then we stop for lunch, and that's usually an hour and a half to two hours to really give, you know, everyone a chance to stretch, and also for Rory um, to get a good walk-in. Rory's our dog, in case some of our listeners don't know that. <laughs> yeah, we talk about her like uh, she's a, a person in the family. <laughs> And we treat her like a person, but she's our dog. <laughs> she's our dog. Um, after lunch, we finish off our drive. Caden's usually napping again. And we usually arrive to where we're trying to get to by 3.30 or 4 p.m. That's a, that's a pretty solid day for us. We've noticed that no matter how early we end up leaving in the morning, we end up arriving at 3.30 or 4 p.m. It's like the universe just has that plan for us. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It works. It gives us a chance to settle in for the evening. And, and we're arriving when it's still light outside. But... Driving is like, I think we've really realized that that's part of our journey. Yeah. When you're doing this lifestyle and you have a kid or you have a baby, um, you have to embrace this as part of the journey. And so you really have to make the most of all of these stops the best you, you know you can. 
and it doesn't it's i mean it doesn't hurt that our entire home is on our back it is so convenient to just run out and grab a cold snack or a cold drink from the fridge or don't worry about finding a changing table for caden in a public bathroom it's just so so convenient to hop out of your truck and walk back like eight feet and have everything that you need at your fingertips <laughs> yeah so dan mentioned yeah hot water i was trying to think of some of the other tips for driving with the baby i mean snacks like always have snacks even for us yeah especially for us i like snacks yeah car snacks and snacks that aren't too loud because when he's sleeping the last thing you want to do is open up a bag of chips yeah you got to pre-open those chips when he's awake so the other big part of our drive day is figuring out where we're going to stop along the way and that's something i've never given so much thought into because when you're driving in a car you just pull over anywhere because we're not talking about just one stop it's no. like three stops yeah so we need to find places that are trailer friendly um because we don't want to worry about pulling into something and not fitting or not being able to get out and things don't always go to plan so we want to have enough potential stops that if things go sideways and Caden's crying or just has a massive poop all of a sudden <laughs> we can uh, somewhere to pull over <laughs> we have a we have a you know we're not too far from the next safe opportunity to pull over the whole rig. <laughs> so Preeti has developed this, this system, this approach for finding all of these pull off and stopping points in advance. You're an expert at it. Yeah. I, I, well, as part of being your co-pilot and passenger, I feel like it's my duty. So what I like, what I do is I always make sure that we have our offline map saved because especially driving out in some of these areas, you have no cell service. And then Google Maps allows you to save pins to your offline map. Yeah, so when we're saving these points, plus we're saving a whole bunch of backup points, every time I pull up my phone now, I can barely even see the map. It's just covered <laughs> with all these blue dots everywhere of all these potential stopping points. Most of my map is now just blue dots along the highway. I know, and, and partly it's because I don't just save our milk stop and our lunch stop. I save any potential stop <laughs> that our truck and trailer will fit. So I'm zooming in on satellite view like literally panning the highway, trying to see, is this a rest stop that we would fit in? Um, does this parking lot work? Does this truck stop work? And so I've saved, you know, I'll probably save 10 stops along the way because you never know when you might need to stop. Yeah, if like Caden wakes up early and he's hungry a little bit earlier than we had planned, you got to make some game time decisions there. And so suddenly we're like, okay, is there, are we going to stop in the next one in five minutes? Oh, there's next one in 20 minutes. Okay, what's the quality of that stop? Will we make it? How many more songs can we listen to? Exactly. And you just like, you just got to be ready. You just got to be ready. But with satellite view, like I just, I love it. I don't know how people used to do this before, but I, I can find so many things on satellite view that it's my favorite thing. And the only experience I have with satellite view is trying to turn it off every time that Preeti turns it on on my phone, because I just keep finding my phone on satellite view and it, I do not know how people use satellite Wait, view. What? It is the busiest, most complex view you could ever have of this map. And I just, I want my simple, my simple map back. No, so I've learned how to change can. it back every it's, time now. It's so helpful. <laughs> you can zoom in and you can see, is there a traffic light at this intersection? Cause sometimes Google wants you to make a left turn on a very busy street. And if you go like one road down, you get a traffic light or a parking lot. And you can see, you know, maybe this is the best spot for me. And I hope it's free when I get there. 
You're right. You're a really good passenger to guide me <laughs> this way. These are all things I've never really thought to think that much about. I know. Okay. But in all seriousness, satellite view, super helpful when you're looking for, for stops with your trailer and truck. <laughs> um, and I think one of the things that was really confusing is like, it's not that like rest stops are just called rest stops. They have all sorts of different names. And I think in the time that we've been traveling, we figured out there are different categories of places that you can stop and take a break and they might be called rest stops they might be called picnic areas um might just be called a gas station and so you really gotta like use all this different vocabulary when you're searching in google to figure out all your potential stopping points to be fair i don't know how many people have gone this deep on finding highway <laughs> rest stops as we as we have because of our unique situation here but yeah we're pretty deep into the highway rest stop game i yeah. think so and i think there's like four ish types of stops that we oh, we're have. gonna break them down now into categories Here i know we go. Okay. yeah i'm right. serious about this right. so it's a very serious job being a co-pilot <laughs> okay truck stops <laughs> everyone knows that those are like you'll fit there's no problem you'll fit in them um and they're usually like they come up fairly often i think especially on these highways so that we've, we've gone to a few truck stops one of my friends asked me a week into our trip what's what's one of the most surprising things that has happened and like the only thing that came to my mind is how much truck stops smell like pee yeah oh yeah and it's kind of it's kind of baffling because you're not even anywhere that there would be pee like sometimes you're just like in the middle of a gravel lot far away from any kind of building is that the or problem like, is that why there's pee there i mean <laughs> <laughs> maybe I've just, yeah. And we've heard so many stories about how clean and how wonderful truck stop bathrooms are. So like, why is there pee everywhere? I think the bathrooms are quite well maintained at many of these truck stops. Because no one uses <laughs> them. <laughs> right. Nobody, because nobody uses them. They're there, people. Use the bathrooms. <laughs> yeah. But great. A good backup for us anytime. Then the next one is like, so I've gotten really creative in looking for roads or parking lots, especially because we drive on weekends. Sometimes you'll find, you know, post office or something that's not open on a weekend that has a large parking lot. Um, and so then you can kind of park and usually no one will bother you. And it's like a super bonus if it's near, if it's walking distance to food. Oh yeah. I can't believe how long we've been traveling across Canada and I have not had a single Timmy's <laughs> coffee yet. I know. Like how is this happening? And so, yeah. I'm just like crossing my fingers that someday we're going to find a place that we can stop where I can run to a Tim Hortons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it'll happen. <laughs> it'll happen. It'll happen. So that's, yeah, that's, you know, option number two. Then I would say the third category is your highway rest stops. So in Ontario, we have something called on routes, which are literally just off the highway, giant parking lots. They've got a Tim Hortons usually or a yes. Starbucks. Maybe it's actually more Starbucks. Um, they've got food. So you know, outside of Ontario, we found similar ones, but they'll have a big parking lot for trailers and trucks. They'll have a car parking lot, and then you'll have a washroom or porta potty situation, and then sometimes picnic tables. And those those are those are good as well. Those are totally acceptable. Like I think those are quite ideal if yeah. you can find those. Yeah. Okay, but like the best option, or and again, I don't know what these are called. They have different names, but I call them the picnic ground rest stops. And so this is the type of place where you are meant to stop there. They're set up for trucks, trailers, cars, but they're on these beautiful... They are nature forward. 
Yes, that's a perfect way to put it. There might be a bunch of grass, there might be a lake, there might be like a water feature, a water, not a, like not a fountain, like a waterfall <laughs> or a river. Yeah, they just have an element of, I don't know, peace and beauty to them, a sense of a place to explore, along with, yeah, along with some, some bathrooms and a, and a couple picnic tables. But we've been really lucky with finding a couple of places along our route that have turned into highlights of our day and highlights of our travels so far. What's your favorite rest stop that we've done? I have to say my, my favorite one is Old Woman Bay. Oh, yeah. Which is a stop just before the road veers away from Lake Superior. Yeah. And you can, you can drive in there and have you, you walk out to this beautiful beach stretching around the bay and these these kind of cliffs and mountains off in the distance and it was just a beautiful stop there's an area that that allows dogs and Caden had a blast playing in the sand um, and it felt like we had arrived for a moment it felt like we had arrived at our destination for the day yeah and all it was was a pit stop but it was that beautiful it was so beautiful so Preeti what was your favorite stop mine was the one that we went um i think it was leaving ontario but it was the one with the waterfalls and you didn't even know there were waterfalls there when i saw when i saw the stopping point i just saw a lot of green our trailer would fit no problem but we walked down that trail and there was that right. beautiful waterfall and caden was we were holding him over the river and he was splashing his hands in there the surprise waterfall pit stop can't yeah. beat that one i don't even know i don't think it had a name Yep, it's just one of those magical rest stops that you have to find for yourself. <laughs> that, that's probably why it wasn't very crowded. <laughs> so far in our experience, the keys to success for traveling with Caden has been A, stay on schedule. B, keep it to no more than about four hours of driving a day and no more than two hours at a time. C, bring snacks, be prepared. And D, plan those rest stops in advance. And also, we think that you know, you'll know you be delighted by some of what you end up discovering along the way. So you gotta embrace that part of the journey. But this is just what it's been like for us in the short time that we've been on the road. And we know this is gonna keep adapting and, and changing as Caden gets older and as we travel into new provinces and into the US. All right, well, we are just on our way to Saskatoon. So thanks for listening along and we'll see you guys next time.